0: Good morning, church. It's good to be with you. It's good to be able to stand up here and not need a stool this morning. I'm feeling much better. Energy is coming back. Jake said what the Lord had laid on my heart. I I thought to myself, man, I'm glad it's not a whole whole lot of heavy work this morning (laughs) because uh, while I am feeling better, I I have not gotten 100% back to uh, normalcy as far as activity. But Trust me, Liz will get me working here in the holiday season, and we'll test that out, right? It is my honor and privilege to to preach to you this morning. Uh, If you'll turn in your scriptures to Acts chapter 17, uh, we'll take a look at verses 10 through 15 together. Again, that's Acts 17, 10 through 15. And the word of the Lord says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if the things were so. And many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. And then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. And those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. What is truth? Where do we derive truth? What is our source of truth? There's a lot of discussion in our world today about... And when we say truth, we need to make sure that we're even defining that word anymore, unfortunately, right? So when I say truth, I'm not talking about your truth... I'm not talking about my truth. I'm not talking about some other group's truth. Frankly, the the world loves your truth, and the world loves my truth. Truth We hear that more and more. This is my truth. My truth, meaning something that is of my opinion that I am stating that I want you to believe as truth, as an absolute. If you don't believe me, you can Simply try speaking the real truth on any number of issues. On any social media platform or in the public square if you want to. And see how the world responds to real truth or absolute truth. Social media platforms have provided anonymity that encourages the darkness of the human heart to overflow. Be spoken through written word memes, and viral video clips. This world isn't seeking truth. It's seeking its own version of the truth, a version that allows for pliability so that it can be shaped and molded and redefined to fit the sinful desires of the fact individual. The result is no truth at all. In fact, the truth has been exchanged for a lie, fulfilling what we see Paul writing in Romans 1. In the world's version of the truth, preborn babies have become disposable clumps of cells. Marriages have become temporary arrangements between any two adults that last as so long as they both shall love. And a man be- can become a woman, a woman can become a man, they could be both, they could be neither. It's whatever truth that you define. And as Christians, we ought to look at these things, we ought to recognize these things for what they are, which is not the truth. But if we're going to be talking about truth and we're going to be talking about seeking the truth, we ought to understand where can we go in a world that seeks to mislead us? Where can we go for a definitive source of truth that is not just true for today and tomorrow, a truth that is true for all time? truth that is absolute, a truth that is concrete, a truth that you can build your life upon. And friends, the only place that we find that is in the Word of God. Now, we are going to be looking at the Bereans today as we discuss this seeking for truth. And in order not to read a whole, whole bunch of Scripture... Uh, we started sort of in the process. So let's make sure that we understand where we're at. Let's make sure that we understand the setting historically for where we are. So our focal passage today is in the book of Acts, which was written by Luke. And we're joining the Apostle Paul during his second missionary journey. Now on this missionary journey, Paul is primarily traveling with Silas. He's parted ways with Barnabas, Barnabas because of a, a discrepancy or a, a disagreement that they had over John Mark. If you remember the first missionary journey, if you know anything about that, John Mark, John Mark sort of hit the eject button right at the beginning. Uh, doesn't exactly explain all of that, but he left. And because of that, Paul was not looking forward to taking him on a second missionary journey. So Barnabas and John Mark went their way, and Paul linked up with Silas, to go on this second missionary journey. Timothy ends up being one of point them. If we read in Acts 16, we see that Timothy, who ends up being one of Paul's protégés, someone who we have two books in the Bible written to from Paul, will join them. And Luke will also join them for a portion of this journey. Shortly after Timothy and Luke join up with Paul and Silas, Uh, Paul has a vision of a man from Macedonia. Now, where is Macedonia? Macedonia is in northern Greece. And this man from Macedonia is calling to Paul, asking him to come up and help them. And by that, he means to bring the gospel to Greece. So, they travel to some familiar cities. If we read this, we will see that they travel to Philippi. They travel to Thessalonica, and Thessalonica is, this, is, is the city that Paul is in directly ahead of the scripture that we read for our focal passage today. There, they run into some difficulties, as you might imagine. Anytime it seemed Paul would go into a town, he would go into a synagogue, he would begin to preach and teach, and he was reasoning with the people, explaining to them that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Christ. And as Christ experienced pushback, as Christ experienced rejection at the hands of religious leaders, Paul would also. He would be imprisoned in in Philippi. In Thessalonica, he was essentially hunted down by a mob and was able to escape the town under the cloak of darkness. If you read that story, you will see that one of the church leaders who was a believer, Jason, actually was arrested and had to post bond in order to be released. And so Paul continues on from there and he continues now to Berea. And as he gets to Berea, this people respond differently. The proclamation of truth goes out and it is received and believed by many Jews and Greeks. But as we'll see, there was also some significant resistance that Paul sees in Berea as well. And as we look at our, uh, our passage today, there, there are three things that I want us to see together as we walk through the Scripture, as we look at these Bereans and how they responded to the truth and how they were seeking the truth in God's Word. We'll first see that they were receiving the Word. Secondly, that they were examining the Scriptures. And third. They are believing the truth. We'll begin with receiving the word. So verse 11 says that now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. The description of the Berean Jews is that they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. I think that's an understatement. That's a kind way of saying it, that they were more noble, right? What happened to Thessalonica that we just said? Well, they they had a mob, right? For those of you who are Shrek fans, they grabbed their torches and pitchforks, right? And they were going after Paul and Silas, and they had to escape town at night. So to say that these people were listening and receiving the word, saying that they were more noble, well, that's a, a big understatement. But it means much more. It means much more than they were just kind to him. They were entertaining Paul's message about Jesus. and They didn't, they didn't immediately, immediately reject it, but they listened. It speaks to their willingness to hear the truth. It speaks to the heart of the people that was prepared for the truth. It speaks to the fact that they were open and that they were too looking for the truth. They were seeking the truth, And when Paul came saying that he had the truth of the Messiah, that he had the truth about Jesus Christ and he had an explanation for the prophecies in the Old Testament and how they were manifested and uh, brought to earth in the person of Jesus Christ and how Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that he was fully God, that he was fully man, that he died on the cross and he explained all of that to them, their hearts were ready to receive that word. Notice also that it says that they received the word with eagerness. It doesn't say that they received it like a trigonometry class in college. Begrudgingly, unwillingly, right? That was me. I had trigonometry twice and dropped it both times, right? They were willing and eager, listening intently to Paul as he taught, I hope, dear Christians, for us, as we come to Sunday school, as we come to midweek Bible study, as we come to Sunday morning service or Sunday evening service, anytime we're gathered together as a body of believers and we're studying the Word of God, I hope that we are listening with eagerness. My wife sometimes will make fun of me because when I get excited and I get a little eager about, tell me something the good news of Jesus Christ, I get a little animated, I get a little loud, and she'll tell me sometimes... tone it down just a little bit, right? A little loud, right? But I think it's good for us to listen with excitement and to listen with eagerness for what God has for us in his word. Because this is the truth of life. This is our source of life. We are learning about our creator God and our savior Jesus Christ. What topic is more exciting than that? Where else can we come that we are going to know without a shadow of a doubt that we are going to come to truth that will help us with living our lives and will improve our lives and will sustain our lives? We should be eager and excited when we get to study the word of God. And the Bereans were that. They were eager. They were excited, hearing and learning about what God had done. The Bereans' openness to Paul is awesome, but if the Bereans were to stop here and just be eager and excited to hear a message, couldn't that also be dangerous? Suppose someone came along after Paul and began to teach them something in addition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Perhaps as Paul has has written many times in his letters to other churches in the scriptures, we see him cautioning against those who would come in and teach things that were the gospel plus something else, the gospel plus works, Judaizers who were encouraging the the believers in Jesus Christ to go back and adopt and come under the yoke of the law again. If they were just excited about a message, they could be excited about any message. So we as believers want to be eager, we want to hear, we we want to learn, we want to be ready but we also want to make sure that as we listen, that we're listening with an eye toward how are we now going to validate this. And his, we'll get to that in just a minute. We see Paul warning Timothy in his second letter to him. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, 3 through 4, he says, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths so see it's it's not just enough for us to be excited about hearing a message there are plenty of people who go to the fair and sit excitedly to the guy who is selling cookware <laughs> right He's mixing the thing up. If you walk by that at the fair, it always seems like there's like 40 people sitting out there watching this guy cook. And I'm like, how are these people so excited about this message of cookware and what is he cooking? It's not that interesting, really, right? It's not like he's explaining scripture, right? Those are things that we would expect people to get excited about. But he draws a crowd every year. If you don't believe me, check it out next year. We've seen examples of churches that have been led astray bit by bit, because they were eager for a message to suit their passions. And they called a pastor to lead them, a pastor who was not teaching the word of God diligently, a pastor who began to teach isms and ideas of his own creation, a pastor who would lead people ultimately to their death, not just physically, but spiritually. This is one of the reasons that We believe strongly here that there is wisdom in the plurality of leaders. We believe that if something were to happen to one of us, God calls us away, God calls us home, that the remaining three would continue to lead and we would call someone to join that group. And the risk to the body of Christ is reduced because of the like-mindedness of your pastor's We seek to lead you well. We seek to lead you in the... The point is righteousness. We seek to teach you diligently, but we don't want you just to listen. The point is not for us to have a large crowd in this building for you guys to be entertained every Sunday. That is not the point. We are failing miserably if we do that. The point of what we are doing as pastors in leading you in passive righteousness and teaching you and encouraging you to follow Christ is that you will not just be eager to... to, to hear the message, but that you will receive the message and you will examine the scriptures yourself. And that leads me to my second point. The Bereans received Paul's message. They heard it. They were eagerly listening, but then they began to examine the scriptures. Verse 11 says, now these Jews, I'm going to read the second half of this uh, so that we pick up the second, second part of this. But it says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now, if you grew up in an evangelical church, you have likely heard someone at some point in time say, be like the Bereans, be a good Berean. Bring your Bible, make sure you're following along with what Pastor Josh says, right? Bring your Bible to Sunday school so that you can follow along with what the lesson says. Be a good Berean. We've had Berean awards in churches, right? We, we've, we've, we have these references to this, but I, I think it's important for us to, to know that when we're making these references to be like the Bereans or be as a Berean, we're not talking about the good people of Berea, Kentucky, We're not talking about people who go to Berea College there. We're we're, we're talking about the things that these Bereans did. And there's not a ton more that we have in Scripture about the people from Berea. But with these believers, they show us a tremendous amount and a very small amount of Scripture. When we say that phrase, what we're talking about is people who are eager to receive teaching from the Bible and people who are examining the Scripture to see in a church that is being taught is true. That's what we mean, if you didn't grow up in a church that talked about Bereans on certain Sundays of the year. Two important facts for us to understand, and I I think that uh, as we study the Bereans, sometimes we take our current cultural context, our current existence with almost everybody having 17 of these in your car, and maybe four or five at home, and the big one on the coffee table that's open in case Pastor Jake comes over. Right? They weren't strolling around and at their homes with a copy of God's word. At this particular point in time in history, the church, the synagogue, is the place where the scrolls were kept. So when we talk about Bereans studying the scriptures daily, we're talking about people going to church, people getting access to the scrolls at the synagogue that contained the Old Testament books that Paul is reading and Paul is referencing and Paul is explaining that all of these things that were said are actually talking about Jesus Christ. All of these prophecies that were mentioned in Old Testament, guess what, guys? That Messiah, that's Jesus Christ. So if we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, we need to make sure that, that, that we understand that all of this Old Testament is not just chucked because Jesus is here and we start in Matthew and we just keep Matthew. No, we need to understand that the whole Old Testament prophesies and tells us about the coming of Jesus Christ there's tremendous value in studying even difficult books like Leviticus and I sometimes tease when people ask me about Leviticus and I said the purpose of Leviticus is for us to say praise God for Jesus right because he released us from the requirements of the law and thank God for bacon right just just teasing a little bit there the other thing that we want to know, important facts that we want to know about the Bereans is that the Bereans did not have the entire Bible. It's not like they had all of the New Testament to read along with what Paul is saying so that they would have that frame of reference. Paul is actively living out and ministering to his letters, churches, and, and going on these missionary journeys that he would later write to in his letters. Notice the two cities that we talked about at the beginning, Philippi and Thessalonica, the books of Philippians, And the books to the Thessalonians, those are written later. And so Paul is teaching about Jesus, and all of the things that he is teaching, he is teaching in process. They don't have the context. They're only looking at Old Testament scrolls that they have at the church. So it required some effort on their part. They didn't have a smartphone in their pocket with with ten translations of the Bible that they could quickly go to to compare and to understand what Paul was saying. I think this also tells us that they had hidden the word of God in their hearts because if, if you hear the word of God spoken or read and you don't have your own copy, how are you to know where that's at or what book that's from or what the frame of reference is that is being made unless you are familiar with it? And I believe that these Bereans were familiar with the, the, the Old Testament and the, and the scriptures. In Paul's teaching or reasoning with them. He is using the Old Testament to show them specifically that Jesus was the Christ, and they received the message with, with eagerness, and they examined those scriptures by going to the synagogue, by going to church, hearing continuing to hear Paul teach, continuing to look to see if the things that Paul had said were correct. I also think in our our context today, knowing how much Paul has written and how much of his, his works are created in the New Testament, if Paul were physically here today preaching to us, we might be tempted to sit there with our Bible closed and just be in awe of what Paul was saying because we know how much Paul has given us in his writings in the New Testament. But I hope, I hope that as the Bereans did in this day, We too would be searching our scriptures to make sure that the things that he were saying are true. Because believe it or not, there are some pastors who people look up to almost like the Apostle Paul. They think they're so God's word said that they'd never say anything or do anything that would be contrary to what God's word says. But as we have seen time and time again, good godly men are still sinners. Good godly men make mistakes. Good, godly men lead their churches in wrong paths. And believers, it is important for you not to check your brain at the door and think that they'll never say anything wrong, they'll never do anything wrong. I can trust everything they say. You should trust your pastors, but you should also verify by studying God's word on your own. Because we do not... We do not ever want to be in a situation where we just believe hook, line, and sinker without verifying on our own because that is how churches are led astray. I have seen it happen with my own eyes. Sweet, loving congregations split over the support of someone who is leading wrongly, someone who is leading in pride and arrogance in ways that are not worthy of a pastor Church, that is why it's important for us to study the scriptures. That's why it's important for us to continue to seek the word of God for truth. This ultimately is what we mean when we say be like the Bereans. We're we're encouraging you. To compare the teaching that you receive, regardless of where it's at, regardless of who the person is, regardless of what podcast or television show or Bible commentary or whatever it is that you're studying, as it relates to God's Word, seek the truth from God's Word to make sure these things are so. We live in an era of satire, we live in an era of viral misinformation and I dare say we live in an era of fake news. We think about how quickly false information spreads when it's posted on social media, when it's available on the internet, how often do things get forwarded along, must be counted only to later be revealed as false. So we must be careful in just believing everything that we hear. We're also dealing with a new challenge That challenge is artificial intelligence. Much has been made of this, and I'm not here to talk to you about artificial intelligence at a deep level, so if you're thinking I'm going to do that, just calm down. We're not going to go into programming. But my primary job outside of uh, pastoring here is in the technology field. And one of the things that concerns me most, one of the biggest dangers, I think, of AI is that... We're having a harder time discerning the difference between what is real and what is not. And I think about the importance. Years ago, we started saying, oh, I don't need that book. That book's available online, right? I'll just get it on the Nook or I'll download a PDF of it for those of you who don't like to pay for things. But What's the danger in that when things can electronically be changed, electronically be updated to suit cultural norms, to be less offensive. What happens when we begin to have videos that look so much like a real person that it makes a person say something that they didn't really say? People can be easily misled. So whether it's in written word or audio or video, it's harder and harder for us to tell the difference between the truth and the lie. So For those of us who are seeking the truth, as we think about all that is going on and all that is being changed in our world, I encourage you, I implore you to seek after the truth and seek it from a reliable source, God's word. Have your own physical copy of God's word and study it. It's not enough just to have it if you, if you don't study it. The third thing that we'll see from these Bereans, that they were, they were receiving the message, They were examining the scriptures, and they were believing the truth. Verse 12 says, Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. Many of them believed and praised God for this. This is, this is where we want people to be. We don't want them just to be you know, out listening to whatever message. We don't want them just to be saying, yeah, I've heard this message and I looked here and I think this guy's right because that really hasn't got you where you need to be. Where you need to be is I have been looking for the truth. I have heard what I believe to be the truth and I'm looking in God's word and I'm, this is the truth and I now believe. When we talk to someone about believing in Jesus Christ, there are lots of people who will say that they are a Christian, or they're a believer, they believe that there's a God, or they believe that Jesus was, was, uh, was here, that he is God's son. But when you ask them about, well, do you personally believe in Jesus Christ, you, then that's when things go squishy. Well, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not really sure, okay, okay. Um, Maybe I did when I was younger, but now that I'm older and I know so much more, I'm so much wiser, right? I'm not sure. They've been presented the truth. They can verify that it's true, but they haven't moved into belief. Scripture tells us that even the demons believe. They understand, right? They're not believing, as in believing for forgiveness, but they know that there's a God. They know that Jesus is who Jesus said he was, but they're not following him and they're not believing on him. In that way, they're not believing unto salvation. And if you're here today and and you have mental assent that there's a God and you believe that Jesus was his son and you believe that the scriptures are true, but you're not believing upon Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins. If you've not repented and believed, my question to you is, what are you waiting for? You have all of the knowledge that will condemn you to hell, but you're this close to the saving knowledge that will send you to eternity in heaven believe upon Jesus Christ from this. Believe what you read in the true word of God. Believe what you hear preached from this pulpit and taught in the Sunday school classes. Believe unto salvation. It's with the heart that we believe and the mouth that we confess that Jesus is Lord. And I implore you today, believe upon Jesus Christ. The good news for these Bereans is that they believed. They had examined the scriptures. They verified the message. They are now believing the truth. They are now believers. The good news of Jesus Christ is still being spread in this exact same way today. And evidently, only with people with names H. We have the Herods, the Hoovers, and you know we have all these H's that are going on the mission field. So if your last name begins with an H... Come talk to us afterwards if you're interested in signing up with Reaching and Teaching. Joking a little bit, obviously. But the gospel is still being spread the same way today, right? We have people who were searching for the truth, who have found the truth, who have believed upon the truth, and they are now not just eager listeners, but they are also eager tellers. Paul was eager to get to the next stop. He was eager to get to the next place to tell the next town, to tell the next group of people about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are doing it today. It's not just for the mission field. It is for the workplace. It is for the home. The home is first and foremost, and then all of the other places. If you are believing, I encourage you, evangelize your house. And then once you've evangelized your house, evangelize your workplace. And once you've evangelized your workplace, go evangelize your community and go evangelize the world. Don't think that just because your house is taken care of that everything is cool. There's work to be done. And that's for all of us who believe. Not just for those who are vocationally called to be pastors or missionaries or serve in some form of ministry. All of us as believers are to work together to do this. And the Bereans have moved, is built from looking, from seeking into believing. And this is how the church is built. This is how the church grows. This is how the gospel is spread. It has been done the same way since the Apostle Paul was taking ships across oceans and seas to get to people to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. We are doing the same thing today. Sending people out to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Showing them from the scriptures how Jesus is the Son of God and how he came and he died on the cross for their sins and he rose again on the third day. And through believing in him, your sins can be forgiven and you can have a secure home forever in heaven with God through your faith in him. That is the gospel message at its core. That is the gospel message that has been being taught and pushed all throughout our world. And it is the gospel message that will continue until Christ returns and all things are completed. Now, if we were to stop here, and I know some of you are checking your watch and you're like, nine minutes, this would be a good place to stop. But we're not done yet. We would, we would be able to pump our fist and we would be excited because Paul had a difficult time, but he went here and all these people believed and it's great, right? But that's not how it ends. Verse 13. But then the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also. And they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. And then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. And those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. There it is again, opposition to the word of God being proclaimed, opposition to the truth. Hopefully you don't think that that opposition to the truth is something always, opposition to the truth is something that the gospel has always, always dealt with. It is something that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ dealt with. It is something that he promised us as his followers. These people that had run Paul out of Thessalonica had heard that he was being successful and spreading the word down there and they decided we we're gonna go down and give him the same treatment that we gave him here in Thessalonica, not on our watch. Grab your torches and pitchforks, let's head down to Berea. And there they went, riling the people up and Paul was sent away to preserve his life. But we're not to feel sorry for Paul Because we understand as believers that none of these things happen by accident. That the driving of the gospel message and the pushing of Paul along from persecution serve to spread the gospel. We're not to to be concerned. Ultimately, Paul will lose his life over the gospel. But because of his desire to serve the Lord, his desire to spread the gospel, and going on these missionary journeys, the gospel spread through the Entire known world, churches were started. Churches were written to. Those letters were preserved, and we are studying them them today. And we say praise God for that, because it had it not been for Paul being pushed along, would we have had less letters? Would he have had less problems to write about? Less testimony. All of these things happen according to the will of God, and all of them ultimately happened for the good of the spread of the gospel and for the good of us who come behind and are studying. Now, we don't want to just focus on the bad. We want to see that in that persecution and that caused Paul to leave, that there were Silas and Timothy left behind. Now, when we read, we don't exactly get a picture of why it was that they were left behind, why it was that they chose to stay, why it was that they were told to stay. left. High. But in Paul's writing, Elsewhere in scripture, specifically to Titus, he says that he left Titus behind so that he could take care of things that needed to be taken care of. You have a new church. You have a new group of believers who are believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that Silas and Timothy were there to help set things in order, as Paul says in scripture. I believe that they were there to help finish teaching and answering questions and making sure that the church was established and could sustain itself as it moved forward. And we see once that work was completed that they are called to join Paul in Athens and they would continue to move and teach and spread the gospel. So, what have we learned today in looking at the Bereans? What are you going to think about the next time you hear someone say, be a good Berean or we should be like the Bereans? First, we should be excited to hear. The word of God preached we should be excited to hear the message of the good news as it is going out we should be seeking that truth and as we are seeking that truth we also want to make sure that we are examining the scriptures to make sure that the word of God as it's being presented to us is consistent with what God has already told us There is not going to be a time when we're studying God's word and we hear something completely new and we should say, oh, well, this isn't in scripture, but I'm just going to go with what this guy says. No, we should be wary of those things and we should examine the scriptures to make sure the things that they say are so. And finally, we want to move as we have heard, as we have examined, we want to move into believing the truth And for those of us who believe the truth and we are saved and for sure, we want to make sure that we are living out that truth in our lives. One thing that I believe is critically important as I begin to close for us today is that for the believer that we develop a biblical worldview. And if you've heard people talk about a biblical worldview before, I believe it is critical for Christians to not just put that on the shelf when we're not studying Scripture and then live our life out here doing all these other things that we want to do and then, oh, we're studying Bible, well, let me get my biblical worldview glasses on so that we can rightly understand this. I believe the biblical worldview is to be lived out in everything that we do. We are to do and think things based upon what God has told us to do in line with what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, in line with holiness and righteousness, We're to live out the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those things are to flow from our lives, not because we're under a law system that says we have to, but from a love system that says we get to. When we look at issues, and there are a ton of issues that the world is facing today, there are wars, there's rumors of wars, there's all sorts of social upheaval and things going on, there's a A lot for us to be concerned about. But I encourage you, Christian, to use your biblical worldview and say first, not what does this expert think about this. Not what does this guy on this podcast I listen to think about this. What does God have to say about this? What does God's word have to say about this? And in viewing the issues that we face today through the biblical worldview lens, We can rightly discern and understand how to face the challenges that we are facing in this day. If God has told us that life begins at conception, if He has shown us in Scripture that He has known and He has knit us together in our mother's wombs, then we are to recognize that that is not a clump of cells, that is a human life. End of story, no debate. And we can quit fussing and fighting about how many weeks is long enough before we kill it. We can understand that there is no line that makes it okay on that because it's still murder. And I don't care if you agree with me on that because you're wrong. You're disagreeing with what God says. You need to check your heart. You need to check the word. There's a lot of other issues that we need to do that with church family. And we don't need to do it and be silent. We are called to be salt and light. There's a time for us to speak truth. There's a time for us to hold our tongue in order to be not causing problems and fighting. But church, we are too silent too often. We need to speak truth. We need to be vocal, especially about issues that God has spoken so Cloud, uh, so so clearly and loudly about, we need to be clear and loud. And I want to make sure that we, we say that we do these things not out of anger. We do these things out of love because people's lives are being impacted. People are believing falsehoods. People are following after the spirit of the air that is at work in this world. And if we want them to come to know the truth, if we want them to, to receive the wonderful forgiveness of sin that we have received, why would we not lovingly share the truth with them? Be like the Bereans. Develop your ears to hear. Seek after the truth in God's word and honor him with your life. Please join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the Bereans. We thank you for the example that they have set for us. And Lord God, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to seek after you. We pray that you would help us to, to follow your will for our lives. God, we pray that you would, would give us wisdom, give us discernment, give us an excitement for study, Lord, Lord and give us eyes that can see the world through the lens of mm-hmm of your word, to see things the way that you see things. We pray now, Lord, as we come to our time of invitation, Lord, that if there be a decision that needs to be made, whether it's for salvation, repentance, a desire to join church or to be baptized, Lord, we pray that now would be the time that, that you would be at work in hearts and would draw people to make those decisions. We pray that you would, would bless us, Lord, lead us and guide us in all things.